Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Wonderful to see you all this morning on this chilly Durban day. We don't get many chilly Durban days. It's great when we do. Amen. I just want you to know that I'm the other tall guy without the glasses. My name's not Cyril. <laughs> uh, you are identified as tall with glasses, Cyril. <laughs> that was quite funny. Um, so how cool was that song? Did you hear that? That's just been, you know, released. That song's come out this year. And, uh, and isn't it interesting that they're singing about, it's all about revival, and it says, people get ready. In fact, the, the verse says, what does it look like when the Spirit of the Lord revives the bride? Isn't that what we've been talking about? Yeah. Hey, the church coming alive? And you visit us again with holy fire. What does it sound like when the glory of your name comes into view and like thunder, nations sing their praise to you? Will there be dancing in the streets? Will there be a riot of joy? Hey? People falling to their knees in repentance, true repentance. We'll know you are closer than before and we will bow before you, Lord, in greater reverence, holy reverence. People get ready, people get ready, church get ready, bride get ready, get ready for revival. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just incredible, guys. We have to look at like the signs that are all around us, hey? We have to just read the writing. It's on the wall. It's clear that God is speaking to His church about getting ready for revival. And um, if you've just joined us, we're, we're preaching out of the book, Revival Reign, we, which was launched a couple weeks ago. And um, I've been just so blessed and so excited just to see how quite a few churches are actually going to take on the book and, uh, and start doing it as a congregation, like in, in the new year. And um, it's, the book actually was in Johannesburg uh, last week at a prayer camp there, and everybody that was at the prayer camp got the book as well and started working through it. There's another prayer camp coming up in Cape Town, and uh, they're going to be adopting it as well, taking the book there. Uh, a church in Cape Town is going to be doing, getting their bought books for their entire congregation, 100 books, and they're going to get their whole congregation to, to pray through it from January onwards. So I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's what we thought about. Hey, isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome that, you know, um, that from every nation Durban, we are, we're, take, we're taking some word out to the streets and the church is grasping it and we're going to have more churches being revived and more churches coming alive and more communities experiencing the power and the presence of God. So let's continue to pray for the book. Let's continue to pray that what we're releasing from this church goes global, man, and empowers the church and equips the church for what God is definitely doing in our time. Amen? Yeah, so... Um, Let's, let's get into some word for this morning. So we're just kind of preaching in and around the book and out of the book. If you haven't got one, they're only 50 bucks, guys, for Every Nation Durban Nights. Special price, ne? And uh, I encourage you to get some at Media and Resource Center. Amen. This morning, I want to share a word entitled Being Fully Convinced. Being Fully Convinced. Um, there was this time when I was at... Varsity, and I, I had a digs, and I had this like very cool room. Uh, 
in this house and I was, you know, a student at, at varsity and I remember it was during exam time and I was studying and, uh, you know, students, where are the students here this morning? You know, late nights, early mornings and you're like you're in the books and you're grinding away and your mind's preoccupied with things. And this one morning I woke up early to study and the moment I woke up and looked around my room, I knew something was different. Something was wrong. Something was just not right with my room. But I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't really know what it was. There was just something missing in the room. And so anyway, I, you know, I just kind of, you know, you get that feeling like something's not right. And then I, I got up and I just got into my books. And for the rest of that day, I was studying. And I had an exam later on in the afternoon. And there was just this niggling sense the whole time that while I was studying that something was just not right. Every time I'd walk into my room or walk out of my room, I just felt like there was just something wrong with my room. And it was only later in the afternoon when I was about to go and write my exam that I realized what was wrong with my room. What was wrong with my room was that my bag was missing. My bag with all my other books and everything in it, my, I had this big like bag that I used, sling bag that I carried on my shoulder, and I, every time I get into my room, I'd hang it on my closet, which was right next to the window, and what had happened was my window was open, and during the night, a thief had come, put his hand in the window, or her hand, I won't be sexist on that one, <laughs> and, and, and took my bag and left, and when I woke up in the morning, because my bag was, you know, a prominent feature in my room, it was gone, but I just didn't know what was gone. A thief had stolen my bag. And suddenly I realized, oh, that's what had been bothering me all day. Anyway, I share that to say this with you, that you know, some, it doesn't take many of us, um, it doesn't take us uh, much time when we wake up into this world to realize that something is missing, that something is broken, that something is stolen, that something is not as it should be. Do you know what I'm talking about? We arrive in this world and it's typically with bright expectation and there's all these like great goals that we have, but after a while there becomes this niggling sense that the world is not exactly as it should be, that there's something wrong here. And often we can't really put our finger on it. Something's wrong with us, something wrong with society, something wrong with the world. It's just, there's something wrong here. And often we just can't really put our finger on it or, or nail it down. And for many people, they just try and forget about it and get on with life and go to, what was it, Sahang? Where's Sahang? Go, go to Florida Road and get sloshed. What was it, sloshed? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and just forget about it and just try and live my best life yet. For others, we know something's wrong and we look for answers and we pursue science and medicine or philosophy or we start looking for something that can fill the gap or define what is missing is wrong. But until we all come to the Word of God, until we come to this thing called the revelation of God's Word, do we never really fully grasp what is missing, what is broken, what has been stolen, or what has been lost in our lives? Because this book tells us exactly what is missing. This book tells us what is lost, what is broken, what has been stolen. It tells us when it was stolen, and it tells us how it was stolen. But not only that, it also tells us what could be. Isn't that great? That it doesn't just tell us 
the problem, but it also tells us the solution of how we can get back what was stolen, what is actually rightfully ours in Jesus' name. And isn't it great that this book is not just an explanation, but also an invitation to us? I mean, if all we had was an explanation, you know, but then all we would know is, okay, great, we, we, we understand why the world is broken, we know why we're not as we should be, uh, but there would never be any hope for any transformation. We'd be informed, but we'd never have any hope for being transformed or seeing anything different in our lives. And so, you know, this book is both an explanation, but it's also an invitation to step into the fullness of what God really has for our lives. And what I find amazing about us generally as Christians is that we often just park at the explanation and celebrate the explanation. And we build theology and schools and understanding around just the explanation. And we have this incredible ability to not see the invitation or not go after the invitation of what could be. It's like sometimes we're just happy understanding that we see that the world is broken and we go, oh, it's broken because of sin. Here's the explanation. But then we don't move forward to the invitation. And what is the invitation? The invitation is that things don't have to stay broken. You don't have to stay broke. You don't have to stay sick. Your family doesn't have to stay dysfunctional. That addictions can go. That things can be different. And not only for you in your life, but also for us and for the city that we live in. This book is not only an explanation, but it is an invitation as well. And we must not just camp at the explanation, but we've got to rise up and go after the invitation that God has for us. Can you say amen to that? And I think this is the role of every believer, is that we, we carry this this duality of understanding what is wrong and missing and broken in the world, but also on the other side, having a promise of what could be and what God could do in the world. And it's this gap between the two, the explanation and the invitation that God has called each of us to stand in and to be the bridge or the carrier or the intercessor for the transformation of what God wants to do in the world. And it's amazing how often we can look at the gap, notice the gap, see the gap, but never see our calling to the gap. It's like we're just happy to live with an explanation, but never step into the gap and say, you know what, I could be the bridge between God's invitation coming to earth and transforming it. Walter Wink said the following, he said this, he said that, History belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. Have you got that quote there? Fatsi, thank you. He said, history, can we read it together? It says, history belongs 
the intercessors who believe the future into being. And I want to say, to, you know, and I, and I celebrate that quote, but I'd like to just change it a little bit. <laughs> Why? Well, because I think often we think that intercessors are those crazy spiritual people in church, and then we go, oh, it's them. It's them, you know, it's the Beninas, and it's the, you know, the other prayer warriors, it's the Tandis, you know, it's their the intercessors, you know, they're there. And we need, you need your intercessors, amen. You know, we need to have intercessors, hallelujah, we praise God for them. But, but the, we, again, we just like don't see ourselves in that category. I'd like to just change it a little bit and say, history belongs to the Christians who believe the future into being. History belongs to who? Belongs to you. Who, what, who does what? Who believes the future into being? Each and every one of us are called to stand in the gap between what is and what could be. And in our own personal lives, every single one of us should be closing that gap between what is and what could be in, in our lives. There is a big could be over your life. There is great promises over your life. There is a good future for your life. I believe that God has called you to enter into a promised land, a place where you will have influence, a place where you will prosper, a place where you will see the, the blessing of God on your life and on your family and on the generations to come. I believe that is the destiny that's for each and every one of us in this Bible, but often that's what could be. Often what we're dealing with is what is. And all of us are called to step into that gap and be a believer who says, no, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to see what the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm going to see what God has promised in my situation. Every one of us should be closing that gap, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our friendships, whether it's in whatever area, our health or whatever. All of us should be closing the gap between what God has promised and what is in our lives. But not only individually, each and every one of us should be doing that, but, but corporately as well, is that together as believers in Christ, we should all, we should be closing the gap between what is and what could be in our city, in our economy, in our government. Come on, the, the lust coming to Christ. You know, the, to corporately, church, I want you to know that we're called for big things in the city. And we could, we could sit, we should just camp over the fact that we understand that, oh, the world is sinful and broken. And that like, you know, everything is corrupt and falling apart. Or we could go, well, hang on. What has God said? What has God said? Is, that, is it really meant to just stay the way it is? Is it, is it, are we really meant to just see whatever's happening in your communities, like just continue to happen like that? Is that really what God has said? Is that really the destiny of the church of God? Is that really our future? Is that, is that it? Is all we understand is why the world is broken? No. We're called to stand in the gap between what could be and what is and close that corporately as well as individually. And that's why we're carrying a message of revival as a church. That's why we're putting out this message because what we're doing when, we, when we're taking a message of revival to the church and to the city, what we're actually saying is, guys, we believe that out there is not as it should be, and it can change. It can change. That there is power. That God can move. That God can turn Durban around. That God can change the city. 
that God can do beyond what we can even imagine, that things actually don't have to just stay the way they are. That's what the message of revival is. That's what we're carrying to the city. So I want to just encourage you in a short word, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, if you wouldn't mind just going there, um, 2 Samuel chapter 23, I want to strengthen you this morning in your calling to close the gap in your personal life. But I also want to strengthen us as a church this morning to continue to contend for the city. I really believe that God has called us to the city and that we need to keep contending for revival in our city. Keep closing the gap that we will see the government we want to see. That we will see the Florida road that we want to see. Amen? <laughs> that we will continue to close the gap between what God has said and what currently is. Let's pray before we get into the word. Father in heaven... Why don't you just repeat after me? Say it, Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe that your plans for me are good and that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. Are you in 2 Samuel chapter 23? And we're going to read from verse 11. Just to give you some context here, this is... Um, a chapter or half a chapter that's talking about David's mighty men, okay? And it's going through the list of these. I mean, when you read this, you think, you know, the Avengers have nothing on these guys. I mean, <laughs> these are real heroes and warriors like anything. All right, so verse 11, it says, After him was Shammah. Can you say Shammah? The son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, can you say Shammah? Stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory that day. <laughs> Shammah, what a cool name. Um, you know, personally, when I, you know, read the story, firstly, I think about, you know, lentils not really being worth anything fighting for. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing really exciting about lentils, I don't think. <laughs> um, but, but, but what I, you know, when I, when I look at this passage, and it's just a small little excerpt, and it's like talking, it's like Shama and then all these other guys, and it's just telling you what Shama did in this moment, and, it's, and it just seems so like, whenever I look at that field of lentils, I'm just like, really? You know, like, couldn't it have just been something a little bit more significant than a field of lentils? You know, like, you know, even I have to, to make this story meaningful to me, I have to, like, make it a field of strawberries or, you know, just something else because, you know, this is just a field of lentils. Where was the setting for this great story? What was the, you know, the context of this great victory? It was what? A field of, huh? 
lentils, okay, you know, really? Like, dude, just give up the lentils, you know what I mean? Like, wh why risk your life for a lentil at the end of the day? Like, what is so exciting about these lentils? And, you know, when I was thinking about it, I thought this, is that, you know, so often we tend to over-spiritualize our walk with God. So often we think that God is only interested in our quiet times, our devotional life, and us, you know, like a, what, if we've done the growth plan or not. Like that's where God's concerned, you know, or did I think a bad thought today or not, or just my inner purity or my, you know, my devotional, did I have my quiet time? Like that's what he's interested in in my life. But this story tells me that God is not only interested in our devotional life, he's interested in all of our life, even our field of lentils. This field of lentils was clearly important to Shama. He was vegan. <laughs> you know, obviously, he, this field was important to him. And, and so he stood up and he defended his lentil field. What is the lentil field? The lentil field is your business and it's your job. In this world and I want you to know that God is very interested in your business and he's very interested in your career he's very interested in your job he's very interested in your lentil field amen he's actually all about your lentil field why is your lentil field so important to God follow me for a moment as you steward your lentil field, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, as someone who, is, someone who is submitted to Christ, and you grow in resource, and you grow in influence, then does it not make sense that actually Christ's resource and Christ's influence is growing in the earth? If you really are an ambassador of the Lord God Most High, and all that you have is His, then I want you to know that as your lentil field grows, God's kingdom is growing on the earth. And it's very, very important. I mean, follow me for a moment. If you're, you've got a lentil field, okay, and you start to work your lentil field, and you have a great harvest of lentils, and you sell your harvest and you get a good return from what you've sown, then you're able to make a good profit and you're able to buy more farm equipment and your farm can become more efficient, amen? And then you can start making more lentils and as your production increases, your profit increases. As your profit increases, you start looking at the field next door and you go, hmm, I think I'm gonna buy that field. And you look at the, the field on the other side and you say, I'm gonna buy that field. And now your business begins to expand and grow and your dominion is beginning to expand and grow. And as your business grows, you go, well, I need to employ more people. And so you hire more people. And what actually happened is you're not just getting employees, but you're actually empowering people. Why? Because you're a Christ follower. You don't just see people as tools or as human capital or something like that, but you see them as created in the image of God, and you are there to empower them in their calling and their destiny and purpose. And so now a whole bunch of people are getting empowered, and what, you, what the ripple effect of that is happening on the greater economies, that poverty is beginning to decrease. Why? Because your lentil field is beginning to increase. 
And so as your lentil field's increasing, your staff and your, your employees are beginning to increase, they're starting to prosper. And guess what? Now you're impacting the next generation because now you're thinking about their families at the same time. And so now your business, your lentil field is starting to pay for bursaries. Heck, maybe it's even starting to build a few schools and empower the next generation out of prosperity into advancing more of the kingdom of God. And at the same time, while your lentil field is increasing, guess what? Your tithe is increasing every year. And that has a ripple effect on the church community in which you had. And eventually the church goes, well, heck, now we've got some more cash. We can employ a youth pastor. We can employ more campus missionaries. We can take more campuses. And hey, by the way, the building that we're renting, let's not pay rent anymore. Let's go and buy that building. Now the lentil field is prospering the church and the church is starting to expand in the kingdom and the gospel is going out. And while your lentils are continuing to produce, you're also generous like Daniel was saying this morning and you're sowing a lot and so you're sowing into nations and you're supporting missionaries in foreign nations and heck, you're not only building churches in Malawi and Malaysia, but you're funding the gospel even into unreached areas. I want you to know your lentil field's important. Your lentil field is strategic for the kingdom of God. You need to understand that your lentil field needs to be defended, that it needs to be protected, that its success is strategic to the kingdom of God. You know, I was in Sweden a number of years ago. I saw a lentil field, a second-hand furniture business, went in there, saw it, massive business, bigger, almost as, as, actually bigger than this entire church building, this furniture everywhere, second-hand furniture business that made a million kroners profit every single year, and every cent went to funding, the, funding missions all throughout Europe literally putting youth on boats and sending them to all the ports around Europe where they would go and share the gospel with holidaymakers. From what? A second-hand furniture shop that had what? An understanding of kingdom. An understanding that this belongs to the king. You see, it's very important that as, you know, our lentil field increases, we always got to remember that it's actually his at the end of the day. <laughs> and I really believe that we will prosper when we start to write that into our organizations, that this really does belong to the Lord, and it is dedicated to the glory of God in the nations. When you align with that, and let me tell you something, you're going to align with the blessing of God. Write Him into what you're doing. Put Him, put him in there, right in the beginning, whatever you're doing. Make sure He's in there. Make sure He's part of it, because let me tell you, when you align with heaven's agenda, you enjoy heaven's protection and heaven's blessing. Can you say amen to that? So hence, the attack comes where? To the lentil field. It's harvest time, and what do the Philistines do? Let's go and, and take away the harvest. Why? Because if the lentil field is broke, then everything else is broke. And the kingdom doesn't advance in the earth. You know, sometimes we don't see the connection between the two. Sometimes we don't see the connection between our lentil field. Sometimes we just think God can't be interested in this. He's more interested in my, you know, my, my worship on Sunday and my team and ministry. That's where he is. But, but, but my job, my business, it's like, is he interested? Maybe. I'm not sure. People, I want you to change your mind this morning. I want you to see that what you have in your hands, 
is of strategic value to the kingdom. And it's critical that you advance, that you progress, that you climb the ladder, that your influence does increase, and that your resources increase at the same time. Why? Because as you increase, so the kingdom is increasing in the world. Let's put two and two together. Where is the attack? You know, sometimes we're just like, oh, why am I struggling to get funding for this thing? Or, you know, why is it that when promotion comes, I'm always the one getting passed over? And we never think it's like a spiritual thing. We never think like, oh, God might be interested in this thing. Or maybe he's, you know, I want you to see he's interested in your lentil field, okay? He understands its value. You need to understand its value. And you need to protect it and defend it like Shama did. Can you say amen? So what does it say there? It says the people fled. So Shammah's alone. He's the only guy left standing. Why is that? Why did the people flee when the Philistines came? Well, obviously, I mean, they were afraid. Amen? But more than that, more than that, I, I believe they fled because they didn't understand the need of defending. They didn't understand God's power. And they didn't really believe, they weren't fully convinced that God would back them, that His promise was really for them. And so they weren't convinced that God was really caring about this field, that God had power to protect them, and so what did they do? They ran away. You know, I don't think there was anything actually special about Shammah other than he, that he was actually fully convinced that God was for him and his lentil field. And I want to say to you, you need to be fully convinced that God is for you and he's for your lentil field. Amen? I mean, if you just think about this for a moment... You look at Durban and like what we have, what's happening in just the last couple of years on a macro level in Durban, like just the attack on our economy, the attack on our water and sanitation, the attack on our electricity <laughs> that's happening in the city, the attack on corrupt, the corruption that's happening in our city, the systemic corruption in multiple areas of society that's literally raping finances from the land that should be going to the kingdom and the benefit of our city. I want you to know there's more than enough in the city. It's just being squandered and stolen by the evil ones, by the Philistines, okay? But if, for one moment, if we start to think here today that God's power is not available to us, and if we forget the strategic importance of our city, then what will happen is that we will flee the, flee the city. You just run away. Just go try something else. Go, go somewhere else where it's not as hectic anymore. Why? Because you, you're not fully convinced that God's power is there and you're not convinced of the strategic value of the city. I want you to know that Durban is strategically valuable in the kingdom, in the world. I want you to know God's birthing something in this city that's going global. There is strategic value to this place. 
This place is a place of birthing, a place of revival, a place that's going to touch nations. This is our city. And we need to think about our city the way God thinks about our city. Otherwise, we will run away from our city. Do not run. Stand like Shama. And I'm not speaking to some of you this morning. Stand like Shama. Look at what Shama did. It said he stationed himself. Can you say stationed himself? He stationed himself. In other words, he dug his heels in. Like, you know, he tied himself down. He's like, this is my land. These are my lentils, okay? Green ones, red ones, brown ones. These are my lentils, all right? Stationed himself right in the middle. And he defended it. And he's like, you know what? It's not going to happen today, devil. Not today, devil. And he killed the Philistines. I mean, and this is like talking about, earlier there it says a troop. So we're talking like a, a hundred Philistines. One man. But look at what it says there. So it says, so the Lord brought about a great victory. Who brought the great victory? It was the Lord. Shama, listen guys, there was nothing special about Shama other than that he was fully convinced about, he, about the power of God and about what God had called him to and it, that God was interested in his lentil field and God did the miracle. I, I believe that if like three other people had stayed, they would have enjoyed that victory too. Ten other people, 20 other people had stayed, I think that, that would have just happened a lot quicker and a lot easier. But all God needs is just, just one. Just one. I just look for a man who could do what? Stand in the gap. Now, I want to ask you this morning, are you the person that can stand in the gap? Are you the person that can stand between what is and what could be and say, I believe that I'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living? Can you be the person who, when everybody else is running away and everybody else is like, ah, freaking out, can you be the person who said, no, God has said, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. This thing will be broken over our lives. We will see prosperity in our family. We will see the goodness of God. Where did Shammah station himself? He stationed himself between the explanation and the invitation. In the scriptures, he knew that God had said he would, God would be their defender that God would be their fighter. There, there, there's plenty of scriptures and promises before that Shammah, there's a history that Shammah could tap into and, and understand, but he wasn't the person who just looked at the promises of God and then was like, oh, that must be for somebody. I'll just have to live with what is. This is the way things are. This is how it happens. We make the lentils, the Philistines steal it, and then we have a little bit left over and we survive. No, he was a person who said, no, 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 those promises are mine. And he stationed himself between... The gap between what is and what could be. He was an intercessor. He believed the future into being. And it was God who brought the miracle. And I want to say it's going to be the same for you and your situation. But you need to be convinced about three things. Firstly, you need to be convinced that you need to be fully convinced. Can you say fully convinced? Can you say it again? Turn to somebody and say, fully convinced. I want you to hear these words. Say it again. Turn to the person behind you and tell them, fully 
convinced. It's so important that you are? Say it. Fully convinced. Fully, you need to be fully convinced about three things, and you'll see the same victory in your life. Number one, that there is a need. That there is power, number two. And that the promise or the promises are for you. You need to be fully convinced that there is a need. Shama was convinced that something had to be done. That things should not stay the way they are. That change needed to happen. That something is not right. That something was faulty. That something was missing. That something was broken. I think there were many people in, the, in that time who were just like, this is how it is. People like us, we just, we don't have much hope. The community we come from, this is just how it is. This is the way things are. Shama was like, no, this is not how it should be. We are not how it should be. Something must be done. It's not right that we're always broke. It's not right that we're always coming second. It's not right that we're always being passed over for promotion. It's not right that addiction is winning in my family. It's not right that sickness just keeps coming and sabotaging the future and the destiny of my family and my life. It's not right. Something needs to happen. Listen, people, we've got to call it like what it is. Like, let's not live with dysfunctionality. Let's, let's not live with that. You know, it's like when we talk about the racial problem, like in the world today, between different races, the world's best answer is tolerance. We must just tolerate each other. Why? Well, because we're different. So we must just like tolerate our differences. The Bible calls us to something so much higher. It calls us to love those who are not like us. To love, not tolerance, to love. You know, there's, there's, there's the standard of this world that, that we can sink to this low level that we can just be accustomed to. But it takes believers who go, no, no, God has said something different, and we will see something different in the land of the living. He was convinced there was a need. Can you see the need in your family? Can you see where the enemy is attacking? Can you see where it's been going wrong? Are you awake? Are you aware of where it is, can you see the need? Secondly, he was, he was fully convinced that there was power. You know, you don't go stand in a field against a troop unless you really believe God is going to do something. And you know, this is what we need to be. We need to be fully convinced that there is great power available to us who believe. That there is exceeding great power to, towards us to change anything that you see in the natural that looks broken, dysfunctional, or tainted by sin. And you know, this is why I love studying revival is because what, what I've noticed so many times is that society gets so bad that the church eventually goes, oh, it's bad. Something needs to happen. And then they start pressing into God for change. And guess what? The power of God comes and 
hardened sinners, people who would never worship God, people who would never obey God, systemic issues like prostitution and drug abuse, and I'm talking about real practical problems in society, get solved by the power of God. Get healed by the power of God. Get transformed by what? By the power of God. It's happened throughout history. Cities have been turned around. Nations have been turned around. Communities have been turned around. By what? By the power of God. We need to be people who are fully convinced that no matter what Goliath we're looking at, no matter what issue we're facing, there is power to solve that thing. There is an answer. There is resource. There is something from heaven that can deal with that. And, and secondly, thirdly, sorry, he was fully convinced that the promise was for him. Often we think the promise is for somebody else. Listen, I think there's a revival with Durban's name on it. You know, there's, we read about the Welsh revival. We read about Azusa Street. What about reading about a revival, I don't know, like 50, 100 years from now, about a revival on Umgeni Street. Hey? Hey? Can you see it? Why not? Why not? What about a revival? We read about what happened at Harvard. We read about the revival that happened at Yale. What about... UKZN. The campus was falling apart. Students were prostituting themselves to pay for fees. Drug abuse was increasing. Smoking weed was a common thing when you walked into the Raison campus. Debt was just killing the campus. There was all sorts of false religion and syncretism happening on the campus where Idols and ancestors were being worshipped and rituals being done to them. And then some students said, hang on, I think there's a need. I think there's a need. And I believe there is some power. And I don't believe it's just there and out there, but I believe it's for us as well. And they began to pray. And then we saw God reap a massive harvest from UKZN. History belongs to the Christians who believe it. Who believe it. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I mean, if you've just got faith this morning for your own little life, great. Start there. But I don't know about you, but I, I'm starting to get faith for a city. <laughs> I'm starting to get faith for, I'm starting to see, hang on, the power here does not, does not like it's just like a little mini, it's, there's actually this big, big power available as well. So we can literally see nations transformed. You can see your workplace transformed. We can see our government transformed. But we need to be fully convinced. And I just want to highlight this this morning in closing and say, in Romans chapter 4, verse 20 to 21, can we just read that scripture together? It says, talking about Abraham, sorry, carry on. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully 
convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Fully convinced. Abraham did not waver in unbelief at the promise, but he was fully convinced. I want to say this this morning, just as we wrap this message. You need to be fully convinced of what? That there is a need, that there is power, and that it is available to you. That it's got your name on it. All right? Being fully convinced is literally, is probably the best definition of faith there is. What is faith? Faith is just being fully convinced that what God has said he would do, he's able to do it, and he will do it. All right? Your faith is the key to seeing the transformation. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, just a little bit of this thing, you can move mountains, you can walk on water, you can shut the mouths of lions, and you can see cities transformed. If you have this thing called faith. Let not the man who is double-minded think that he shall receive anything from the Lord because he is an unstable man, unstable in all his ways. It is very important that we do not waver, that we're not like, like waves tossed in the way. Oh, what's going wrong in the city? Now we, we're scared of the city. What's happening on campus? We just, we're not moved by what we're seeing in the natural. We're not just being blown by the winds and the trends of society. We're not just reading the news and then that, makes, that defines our feelings. We're not doing that, but what? We are fully convinced that God is for us that our lentil fields are of strategic value and importance and that we will see the glory of the God and the glory of God and the goodness of God in the land of the living being fully convinced in in second kings there's a story about how the sons of the prophets had an axe and they began to build a house and they were chopping down trees and what happened was the axe head flew off and landed in the water Imagine in that moment, I stepped into the story and I said, champ, don't worry about the axe head. Just keep working with the stick. <laughs> How far do you think they would get with building the house? Nowhere, nowhere. They needed the axe head. And the prophets stepped into the situation, worked a miracle, and they got the axe head back. I want you to say that, I want you to know this, is that your faith, being fully convinced, is the axe head. It's what gets the job done. If you are not fully convinced, don't do anything. Stop working. If your faith is low, just stop. Take a day off. Go and get the axe head. Don't keep working unless you are fully convinced. You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to keep beating against things and you're not going to see any change. Stop working. Go and find your faith. Go and build your faith. Go and listen to the Word of God. Go and soak yourself in the promises of God. Go and pull out the prophetic words spoken over your life and wage a good warfare by them. Begin to speak them. Begin to declare them until your spirit man gets a hold of it and you know you have this thing called faith and you got your axe head. And once you got your axe head, then go out and see the mountains move. Go out and see God move the oceans in your way. It's your faith that is key. 
you need to be fully convinced. Amen. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Let's wrap this word. Thanks, Levi. I really feel like God needs, is just wanting to strengthen some of you in the positions that you're in. I feel like some of you are in lentil fields that have come under attack. And up until this moment, you haven't even seen that this is spiritual attack, that this is like this is from the enemy, and you've just been battling along, but you haven't been doing it with an axe head. You haven't been doing it with faith been convinced that there is a need, that there's power, that there's, it's got your name on it, that it's for you, that the promise is for you. And I just want to pray for you this morning, if that's you, and you're standing in that lentil field, and it's just battle, 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 but you've actually been wondering how you're going to keep standing. It feels like you're sinking. circumstances just battling against you. I just want to pray for you. Strength to you in Jesus' name. Strength to you in Jesus' name. Strength to you in Jesus' name. I speak strength over you. Strength over you. Strength from heaven. Strength of God to stand in your field. To keep declaring the victory of God. To keep believing. To defend your land. To defend what is yours. To defend your destiny. To defend your purpose. To defend your calling. To be a shaman in this time and in this generation. I speak life over you this morning. I speak strength over you this morning. I say, rise up, mighty man. Mighty woman. Stand strong in the name of Jesus. Be strong in the name of Jesus. Be strong in the name of Jesus. There is more for you than there are against you. It may look like you're surrounded, but you are surrounded by God. God will bring the victory. God will bring the breakthrough. You will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Just say that over your life. I shall see the goodness of God. I shall see the deliverance of God. I will see God move in this place. I will see God move in this place. I will see it. Come on, declare with your lips today. I shall see the goodness of God. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You will see the breakthrough. You will see the deliverance. You will see the healing. You will see it in Jesus' name. We speak over every circumstance this morning, over every battle in the name of Jesus. And I declare with the authority that I have this morning, victory over every circumstance. Victory in Jesus' name. Victory in Jesus' name. Victory. Victory. Victory is ours in Jesus' name. Victory is ours in Jesus' name. Yes, we declare victory over your church, over your people this morning, over your kingdom in the city. We will not shrink back. No Philistines are going to come and take our inheritance and take our land and take our prosperity and take what we have. No, we defend our land this morning. We defend what you've given to us this morning, Lord. They're talking about retrenchment. They're talking about closing down. We say no, no, not in this place. 
They're talking about foreclosure. We say no. No. We say no to that. We resist that. We resist that. by any means harmless. Come on, that's Shama. That's Shama right there. declare your faith and get your axe head working. Just get your axe head working again, you know? The enemy is after your faith. That's what he's afraid of. That's the thing he fears the most. It's your faith. That thing, where you got that thing, man, nothing's going to stand in your way. Wield your axe. Prosper your people. Prosper your people, Lord. We speak victory over every circumstance. 
over these jobs, Lord, that need to come in, we call them in in the name of Jesus. This funding that needs to come in, we call it in in the name of Jesus. We need it. It's strategic. It's important. It's for your kingdom. It's for your glory. Let it come in in Jesus' name. Let it come in in Jesus' name. Let it come in right now in Jesus' name. Phone calls, emails to come in this week, Father God. We pray for deliverance. We pray for blessing this morning. We call it in in the name of Jesus. I want you to get a little bit of fire in you this morning to understand that it's important that you get this thing. Heaven believes it's important you get this thing. So grab a hold of it by faith this morning. hold of it by faith. It is important that you prosper. Thank you for breakthrough this morning, Lord. Thank you for all of these things. We receive them. We suppress your kingdom this morning and your righteousness, Lord, knowing that you are going to add all these things to us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.